Welcome to Follow Your Kind Podcast, a show where we explore the meaning of kindness and how we can express it in our daily lives. My name is Christina and I'm your host. And we are live. My name is Christina and this is another episode of Follow Your Kind a podcast and we have the season one which is a local chapter where I interview all my favorite local heroes that are heroes in my book and Jenny Bilko today is one of them she's my beautiful partner in crime <laughs> <laughs> at Emory and she's a, a registered dietitian and we'll talk a little bit about her about what inspired her to incorporate more plant-based foods in her diet and then later on, she'll give you some useful tips on how to adapt a plant-based diet or move uh, towards the plant-based direction if you're curious and open to that. So we'll start. Hi, Jenny. How Hi. are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and what are you doing here? So I um, grew up in Metro Atlanta. Um, I was a huge soccer player when I was younger mm -hmm. and that was kind of like where my nutrition, uh, obsession started because we had a personal trainer come in with a nutritionist that came, I'm not sure if she was a registered dietitian or not, but she was a nutritionist that kind of walked us through the importance of what we eat in terms of our performance. And so I really started, um, focusing on nutrition in the sports world. That is so cool. How old were you? So I started playing soccer when I was like really, really young. Mm -hmm. But when we um, interacted with the personal trainer, I was in high school. So I was like 14 to 18. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool that they had it available. Yeah, it was a really unique experience that I don't think that most high schoolers got. And so but they should. They sh definitely <laughs> should, for sure. Um, but that was kind of my what what triggered me to think about that when I was looking at schools and mm -hmm. um, what I wanted to do when I was in college and nutrition was like the number one thing and so I majored in dietetics and then went and now I'm a dietitian so I was one of those odd ones that just knew exactly what I wanted to do when I went through school. That is such a blessing. Yeah so I, I went to University of Georgia for my undergrad, mm -hmm. studied nutrition, um, I worked as an intern at the University of Georgia Sports Nutrition Department, which was really cool. Um, kind of found that the sports world wasn't necessarily for me, but I still appreciate it um, because I think nutrition has such a powerful role, not only in the sports world, but obviously everywhere. <laughs> right. So you almost felt like it was limiting. It was. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, because it's just such a specific population, um, especially with collegiate athletes. I mean, you need undivided attention to them and what their specific needs are. It doesn't allow you to branch out as much. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of had that open mind going into my master's program at UAB and, um, Started my master's work there in nutrition sciences and was also doing my dietetic internship at the same time. And that's really where I got to explore all those different areas where nutrition has such a big part. So 
when you do your dietetic internship, you do all these different rotations like a, a medical um, degree. Like if you're a med student going through all your rotations, you go to all these different places to kind of like try it out to see what you think. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I, are some of the different places that you tried? So my um, internship was mainly clinical. So it was like all throughout the clinical setting. So we rotated through all the different floors in like an inpatient setting. So whether that was like renal, pulmonary, um, oncology floors, mm-hmm. um, but we also did like outpatient too. So like diabetes, outpatient clinics, um, we did an HIV clinic, which was really cool. Um, and then there were some other like community based ones. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones that we did. A lot of them were like, um, like children's based, like, like food camps for kids or like food demos at, um, like farmers markets and different things like that, which was really cool. That sounds so exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. What were the ones that you enjoyed most? Um, I liked, and it's probably why I pursued the career path that I did at Emory, but I liked the outpatient dietetics world a lot more because it allowed you to focus on that wellness but still had more of a structure in terms of, like, the clinical base. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you, for those unfamiliar with clinical terms or hospital terms, would yeah. you explain what that is, the outpatient dietetics? Yeah, so the uh, outpatient dietetics is basically, like, Um, a clinic setting. So like if you were to go and see your physician and get your physical done, that's kind of the same way that outpatient dietetics works. So a person could schedule an appointment with a dietitian and then go in and have that time set aside. Whereas in an inpatient setting, the dietitians take specific floors that they go and see all the different patients um, based on different consults or referrals from the doctors that are managing their care. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you a little bit more leeway in the outpatient setting to not only set like tangible goals, but give them more education when they're not like sitting in a bed focusing on how crappy their disease is that they have, right. you know? So in the outpatient setting, it's definitely more wellness oriented, which I mean, you and I both are just so drawn to that. Yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so tell us what is the difference between nutritionist and uh, dietitian, registered dietitian. Okay, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so a nutritionist can be anybody. Um, really, your neighbor down the street can call themselves a nutritionist without any like formal education. Um, there are some nutrition certifications that you can do, but they're state-specific, so not all states allow you to get certified in nutrition, Mm -hmm. Um, but that involves, like, I don't know, like a six-month course online to, like, get certified. It's it's very minimal. Um, To become a registered dietitian, you have to have a degree in nutrition from an undergraduate four-year program. Um, You also have to apply and get accepted into a dietetic internship program. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I was talking about my rotations and everything. Um, And so it's a certain amount of hours of supervised practice. So we're supervised by other dietitians that are basically allowing us to practice. So we're paying to do free labor. (laughs) That is always a great setup. But it's (laughs) hours and hours and hours of good practice that um, is evidence-based and um, allows you to build up that wealth of knowledge that you need to fully understand the Mm -hmm. nutrition world. Um, And so 
then you have to sit and take your RD exam. So you have to take study rigorous all this material that you've learned from your internship and all of your schooling and everything like that. And then you take your exam. It's like your boards. And if you pass, then you're a registered dietitian. And you pass. And I pass. <laughs> oh, that was, I can't believe that happened. But it wasn't that long ago. But I'm still like, wow. <laughs> Is it like equal to bar for lawyers? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the the cool part is is being a registered dietitian, it requires you to do that continuing education. So we have to, as part of our credentials, stay up to date with the research that out, that's out there because our profession is so evidence-based that mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we understand like how nutrition is progressing. So having that credential of a registered dietitian, you know that not only are we the experts in nutrition, but we're also keeping up to date with our nutrition information as well. That is a great component of that. Yeah. I feel like that should be a component of any job there is today, or at yeah. least like qualification in, in healthcare. Yeah, which the, which it is. Yeah, so ner- I know nurses and obviously doctors, they have to do like continuing education and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, a lot of healthcare professions require that, which is so important, right? But that's the difference between somebody that is calling themselves a nutritionist is that they can really look at anything and say, okay, I want to prescribe you this diet. Is that diet evidence-based? Is this up to date with what the studies and the research have shown? And are you putting somebody in harm's way because it's not evidence-based? So being a registered dietitian definitely gives you the confidence that your expertise is qualified. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, So I know the registered dietitian versus nutritionist is one of the points that are important to Mm -hmm. understand for for the usual person. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other either misconceptions or some of the other things that you wish people would understood better uh, as it relates to the uh, profession of uh, dietitian? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So I think what's really important is that people understand that dietitians are people too. (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like so many people like look at me and think that I'm like the pristine example of what a healthy diet looks like. Like Mm -hmm. whenever I'm eating, like, oh, that's exactly what we need to be eating too, which is not necessarily the case. Like everybody has their own individual needs. Like what I do doesn't necessarily mean that that would work for you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to recognize that dietitians are trained to meet people where they are and really understand how to create their dietary regimen based off their lifestyle rather than what we think is appropriate for them. Like, no, it's based off the evidence that shows that, okay, for somebody that has such and such and such issue, Mm -hmm. this is the diet that we should try and strive for. And we work with everybody to try and figure out how we can get it to that point based off what you do throughout the day, what time you wake up, how many times that you can eat throughout the day, you know, different things we really try to tailor it to an individual and dietitians like pizza and cake and like all those different things too. Everybody <laughs> likes those things. <laughs> so don't think that we're just like always eating healthy because right. eating unhealthy can be healthy sometimes too. Mm-hmm. We just probably don't do it all the time. 
Right. Yeah. It makes sense. So it seems like there is uh, um, definitely a lot less reason to be uh, intimidated mm -hmm. or perhaps build barriers against seeing somebody who is a registered dietitian because exactly. it's not like they're just going to prescribe you this one template of a diet that's universal, right. but rather they'll help you to start where you currently are at the moment and move into the direction of healthier eating. exactly yeah like we're just here to help people like that's really what we want we want to all dietitians love food and the thing about the way that we practice is we want people to enjoy food in the way that we do as well it it's bridging that gap between okay this is what we really want you to do but this is how we can compromise to allow this to fit into your lifestyle. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, can we now transition into the plant-based world? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've only waited for 12 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Tell me how, where did that component uh, start for you? How did you learn about yeah. the evidence or wherever it started for you? So... I was never like, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I really started going plant-based because you have asked me this question before. And it when I was getting my master's, which was 2016, so I read Dr. Greger's How Not to Die. Yes. Just as kind of like a pleasure read because my mom got it at Costco and I was like, she was freaking out because it was a nutrition book. and Can we take a second how Jenny thinks it's 500 page book on nutrition <laughs> is a pleasure read. <laughs> Thank okay, you. Well, when you're doing your master's program, everything is a pleasure read outside of that. Um, but I started reading it and I was like, holy crap, like this is incredible. And it, it just opened my eyes to how powerful food really is. And I guess, I mean, I had always known that I you were getting your master's in registration. I'm, I'm I know, sure. Like yeah. I, had already, I had always known that, but the way that he talks about food and the way that we should really try to optimize the amount of nutrients we get from our food mm -hmm. never really registered with me before until I read that book. And like I, I was every time I opened that book, it, my boyfriend was so mad at me because I would sit there and be like, "Wow." Wow, wow, like every <laughs> sentence. I had the same reactions. I was like, I need to quote this one and this one and you this one so and underline I everything. I literally have underlined everything yes. in that book. And it's it, it's such a great resource because he has so many resources in there. Like the, the fact that he was able to make this whole culmination of all these different studies that show that plant-based eating is really the healthiest way to eat. And for those who haven't read the book, just a quick synopsis of them of How Not to Die by Dr. Michael Greger. Yeah, so he, um, so the, he, Dr. Greger is a physician that advocates to eat to prevent chronic disease, basically. And that's how he kind of structures his book. So mm -hmm. the first half of the book, he talks about all the different diseases and what types of foods that we should be eating to prevent those specific diseases. His huge thing is heart disease. So he um, definitely talks about that in the first section a lot. Um, and then the second half of the book, he goes through his checklist of different foods that we should be including every single day. And that's basically the foundations of a plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. So it's um, vegetables, fruits, beans, nuts, seeds, and then herbs and spices and kind of the specific nutrients and micro macronutrients that are in there that really show 
how our bodies are processing them. Um, and that's really the key that hit me was all these minute details of these plant-based foods that really help us um, prevent that disease, but also mm -hmm. help us feel good too. Right. And for those listening, so there's also an app, it's called The Daily Dozen by mm -hmm. Dr. Michael Greger, so you can download it, it's free, and it just helps you track and kind of keep tabs on the foods that you've ate, what you need to eat to keep a balanced plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it started with How Not to Die. Yeah, so I read that book, and then um, I was living by myself at the time, so I like had way more freedom in terms of like what I was cooking mm -hmm. um, and that's when I really started like experimenting with that whole plant-based thing and I really my main goal like towards towards the end of my time in Birmingham I was just eating like as many fruits and vegetables as I possibly could that was like my main goal not really like trying really hard to do like vegetarian or veganism but just like getting as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Mm -hmm. And I just started noticing like how good I was feeling. And I was like, how have I not noticed this before? <laughs> I tell all these people all day long to like eat your fruits and vegetables. And like obviously I'd, I'd grown up and, and through my college time like had been eating healthy. But at that time it was really opening my eyes to, okay, this is really what healthy eating makes you feel. Right. I was being more mindful about that, those sort of things, mm -hmm. and that it just turned me. And then slowly but surely, I started cooking more and more, like, meatless meals, and now that's all I cook. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little more, like, casual transition, but I don't know. I just, like, I felt good, So and it was easy, and that was another thing. It, was like, it made cooking so much easier. Yes. Because I don't like cooking meat. I, like, I just don't. Like, the only thing that is, like, super easy to cook to me is, like, chicken sausage. You know, like, you go and you cut it up and then you put it in the pan and, like, that's it. But, <laughs> like, chicken and fi fish, I've never cooked fish because I don't know how to cook it right. Um, I never really ate red meat that often. Mm -hmm. But, like, chicken was the main one that I would cook. And it's just, like, gross and slimy and, like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm, like, if, because I, I have such an extensive background in nutrition, I know all about, like, foodborne illness, too. So, yes. like, the salmonella and everything would really freak me out. That chapter in Dr. Gregor's book yeah. on the all different kinds of infections and bacteria and viruses, the believe yeah. me, that's pretty mind-blowing. Just that is enough. Yeah, so, I, and I didn't have a dishwasher at, at, when I was living in Birmingham either and so mm -hmm. like having the meat there like kind of freaked me out a little bit because I was like am I really like cleaning my place <laughs> I was like so paranoid like I know it was fine but still no that's true so it just made it easier it's an easier lifestyle it fit with me better and I started feeling so much better because of it so no I remember so uh, I watched uh, Dr. Greger speak I think twice no once in person now at remedy food atlanta mm -hmm. last year mm -hmm. and uh, he did like a great talk it was like hour hour and a half and part of his talk was uh and i think he talks about it in his book as well uh they um they had this family cook chicken in their kitchen yeah. and then they told them to like clean 
as much as as best they could their mm -hmm. kitchen and a week later they had some lab come in and do like the swap and see how much yep. virus bacteria whatever there was in their kitchen yeah and then they also took one in their toilet oh and they compared and then they the result was that there was like how x times more bacteria in their kitchen still left over from the chicken yeah seven days later yeah then they were in their toilet i so, believe like, that comparison is crazy yeah i believe it i'm just like I, and it making sure that it's cooked all the way through like I don't like having to deal with that it's just like too and you dirty up too many utensils it's just like mm -hmm. just like keep it all plants <laughs> yes it really is so much easier it really is I mean and it it it's it just is what are some of your favorite plant-based meals so I love like curries like chickpea chickpeas are like that's it. Like anything with chickpeas in it, like that's me. That's mine. Um, but I like making curries um, and oh, veggie enchiladas, like anything Mexican. I'm going to need you to invite me for dinner <laughs> sometime. <laughs> this veggie enchilada recipe that I found was so good. It's like black beans and you make your own enchilada sauce. Mm -hmm. It's just, and it's loaded with like spinach and onions and peppers and like zucchini. Oh, it's so good. Um, and then what else do I like? We make chili, like, my book, I get so tired of chili, but we make it all the time. Just put like a bunch of different beans and sweet potatoes and tomatoes, onions, peppers in a crock pot. And then mm -hmm. all the spices that go with that. Um, I've been experimenting a little bit more with like, um, soy based protein. So like tempeh and tofu, mm -hmm. which I hadn't before. So I tried tempeh recently and I like didn't really like it that much because it has that like potent flavor to it. But I've been experimenting with it more and the more and more I have it, the more I like it. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered that tofu like isn't my thing, which is okay. I like it, but it's the texture. Mm -hmm. And I, I love all food. Like that's the one that I'm just like, I just like don't really like. <laughs> and that's fine. So um, I'm trying to think of what other ones. We make like veggie spaghetti and stuff like that, like with lentils instead of meat. A lot of my recipes are like just replacing the meat with beans. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. I've tried doing uh, like a, a, a meat sauce with yeah. like lentils. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I use the, the bacon tempeh uh -huh, in that. Uh -huh. And that like that just tastes amazing. And another thing that I really like is uh, uh, crushing walnuts, a little bit of walnuts yeah, and adding that. And like that, that with lentils, it definitely makes for the texture. Yes. If you're looking for like the bolognese or whatever, like yes. the meat sauce. Yeah. That definitely makes up the texture. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, I'm really serious. I'm going to need to do that before <laughs> dinner sometime. Anytime. I mean, I'll do the same for you, we too, make, but so I, those enchiladas sound I amazing. just got a cast iron skillet, so I've been, like, experimenting with, like, different things that you can, like, cook on the stove and then put in the oven. Um, and so I'm going to figure out a good recipe for, like, chili, but then, like, a cornbread recipe on top oh that you, like, put in the oven. <laughs> Um, yes, please. Where do I buy the tickets for that? <laughs> so I'll let you know how that one goes. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, so I'm really excited. Uh, I know that you're working on uh, the, some of the helpful steps for people to incorporate more plant-based foods yeah. um, or go in that direction in their diet. Yeah. So can you share that with the listeners, please? Sure. So I wasn't the one that came up with these steps, even though like in my mind I was like kind of heading there myself. Mm -hmm. um, but my my hero, Dr. Berkowitz. And mine too. She's <laughs> our hero. <laughs> she came up with the 
five steps to transitioning into plant-based, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really important because even the, which Tina, Tina and I have had so many conversations about this because she's completely vegan and I'm not completely vegetarian or vegan. I'm just plant-based. So I think what, what the five steps really allows us to do is to define our own diet. Mm-hmm. We have the power to define what our dietary regimen is regardless of if it subscribes to that vegan or vegetarian lifestyle. No diet is 100% or yeah. nothing. It can be if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. And so the transition to the to the plant-based world kind of allows people to really focus on that quality and those foundations of a plant-based diet, but find the balance between maybe still including some of that animal protein in there if they want to or, or sometimes even if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's five steps. So the first one is fruits and vegetables. So like I said, when I first started, like getting in as many fruits and vegetables as you can is the best first step because regardless of what label that you're calling your diet, those are research has shown that fruits and vegetables need to be a staple in right. order for you to be healthy and prevent chronic disease. So mm-hmm. the recommendation um, from the dietary guidelines is five servings per day. Most Americans are not reaching five servings. That's crazy. Per day. I feel yeah. like I get five servings in my green smoothie. <laughs> I know. I, it's so easy to get five. What is one serving? So one serving is a half a cup of cooked vegetables. Okay. And then a cup of raw vegetables. So that's like so easy to do. Yeah. Like if you make a salad, you put two cups of leafy greens, you put a half a cup of, I don't know, tomatoes, you put another half a cup of cucumbers like you could yeah like you could literally get five servings in one salad like it's so easy but most people aren't I think I read something recently it was like only eight percent of Americans are reaching five servings eight percent yeah oh my god so that's why it's so important to get those in because regardless of whatever label that we're saying you still be a vegetarian but not be healthy right absolutely Yeah. yeah so making sure that those two Food groups are the foundation is the first step. So focusing on that and even trying to push past that five servings Mm -hmm. a day is super great. So then we can phase to step two, which is flipping the focal point of our meals. So when we think about meal planning, most people are thinking, okay, is it chicken, beef, or fish-based? Like whatever, or pork, whatever um, protein is the staple of that plate, mm-hmm. flip that focus point to those plant-based foods. So start planning your meals around your fruits and your vegetables and your grains, your nuts, your seeds, and most importantly, beans. Because yes. beans are the best thing ever. <laughs> they are. So flipping your focal point from that animal protein to having the star be your plant-based foods is the second step. And then the third step is going for those less processed foods. So mm-hmm. trying to move away from those like packaged goods that have all these ingredients in there. Um, or like even if we're still doing processed meats, which I don't know why you would on a regular basis. But <laughs> <laughs> starting there, like trying to get rid of those really, really processed foods that have the added sugar, sodium, and saturated fat. Those allow us to to focus on those whole minimally processed foods if we're limiting ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. So when we're going through the grocery store, try try to go for more of the fresh stuff. Um, or if we're still getting packaged stuff, just go for the ones that have the least amount of ingredients. So like things like our canned goods, you could get no salt added, and then our tomatoes, you know, like and that's it. 
or our frozen produce that is frozen broccoli and that's it. Right. So going for minimal ingredients on our packaged goods. Mm-hmm. Um, then the fourth step is um, quality over quantity of our macronutrients. So not really getting caught up of how many grams of protein, how many grams of carbohydrate, and how many grams of fat are we eating. So those are the three main macronutrients. And really focusing on the quality of those macronutrients. So the biggest one here is our carbohydrates. So carbohydrates um, can be a really fuzzy realm in terms of nutrition because a lot of them are refined. So the more that we refine those carbohydrates, the less fiber, the less vitamins and minerals and all those good parts of that food are stripped out. So focusing on getting those quality carbohydrates by getting the less processed carbohydrates is key. Um, And then the last step Can you give us, while we're still here, can you give us just a few examples on a good quality carbohydrate? Sure, yeah. So things like our whole grains, um, like our quinoas and our... um, wild rice and our barley and our farro and steel cut oats like all those things that are like really high in that fiber content and still have all those really good nutrients in there those are the ones that are the higher quality so think about our vegetables like even our vegetable carbohydrates our starchy carbohydrates are going to be things like potatoes and our corn and our peas those are really high quality because they're less processed right so Think about sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are like also one of my favorite I things love in the world. Sweet potatoes, like Japanese sweet potatoes. Yes, and they're so rich in those nutrients, and you can tell because of that bright color. So that orange is really powerful. That's where the antioxidants and the phytonutrients and the polyphenols, all those good things, come from, is the color. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at the quality of those carbohydrates, whether they're starchy or non-starchy. The color is where we can really tell the difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And then step five? Okay, step five is finding your veggie balance. That's what Dr. Rivers <laughs> says. So this is where you kind of have to experiment a little bit because, um, again, like I said, we have the power to define our own diets. So if we still feel like we need to include some of that animal protein in there, this is where we need to kind of figure it out. Um, that last step of like, okay, um, am I still going to include Greek yogurt or eggs on the weekend or like, oh, my friend is having a barbecue this weekend and I don't want to have to deal with like bringing my own like black bean burgers or something <laughs> like that, um, which I often do. But um, that's where you kind of make the compromise with yourself is like, okay, majority of the time I'm getting these really, really high quality nutrients for my food. It's going to protect us the other times that we do want to have that maybe more inflammatory food from our animal protein. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the last step of really tailoring it to your own individual needs. That's awesome. I think that's very helpful too. And I like the approach, the balanced approach. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, different people come to the life to this lifestyle from different doors and different perspectives. Mm-hmm. If, if you're an ethical vegan, there's a different um, argument to be made than if right. you're just trying to, go, to incorporate more fruits and veggies right. into your diet mm-hmm. or from the health perspective. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the steps <clears throat> are, this, especially these steps, make it so much more, so much less intimidating and so much more doable and they kind of give you a gentle nudge in all the right directions that you can go. Absolutely. And it's kind of exactly what you were talking about with a, with a, with a mission and the motivation behind the, the work of registered dietitian mm-hmm. is meeting people where they are. Yep. And these steps are exactly about that. So yeah. I really like that approach. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, can you lead us through your day of eating? Sure. Yeah. So let me, I'll talk about today. Um, so most mornings I've been on like a chia pudding mm -hmm. kick or like overnight oats. Mm -hmm. So I'll do like two tablespoons of chia seeds, some uh, half a banana, some almond milk, and then cocoa powder. Make it chocolatey. I love cocoa powder. <laughs> and then I usually set, I make those um, on Sunday night and like have them for the rest of the week. And mm -hmm. then on top of it is some almonds and then some coconut and some other fruits like berries. Um, do you use mason jars or what do you use as a... I do, yeah. So some, some sort of container with a lid. Mm -hmm. um, mason jars work, but I have these like French... I don't know. My mom gave them to me. They're these like French things that have like a plastic lid on top. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So those are really great. Um, and I've been doing that for like the past couple of months, which probably makes it up. <laughs> but it tastes so good because it's like a dessert in the morning. I know. It's perfect. Uh, berries and nuts. What exactly. else can you wish for? Um, so for lunch this week, so I made this like Greek yogurt chickpea salad. Um, you mash up a bunch of chickpeas and you mix some Greek yogurt and then chop up some celery and throw it in there. And I love hot sauce. Like, I love spicy stuff. And so I get uh, Frank's hot sauce is, like, my thing. And so you put some Frank's in there, and it's, like, a buffalo chickpea salad. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about this today, and I was like, this is going to be what I'm going to bring to all, like, my 4th of July parties because it's not, like, pasta salad or, I don't know, potato salad or something like that. Right. But it gives you that, like, creamy flavor. Mm -hmm. But it's not fat plain Greek yogurt. So it's, like, hardly any calories, and you're getting your protein from it. Mm -hmm. So it's not plant-based, but That's it's awesome. still very I mean, you can, lean. You can always use, like, a soy or whatever, different Absolutely. kind of yogurts. There's plenty on the market right now. Absolutely. So, so that's I, – I meal prep that for lunch, and I normally – put that on like a bed of greens and then some cucumbers um my boyfriend likes to make it into some sandwiches so we mm -hmm. get like really good bread and that's a really good lunch idea yeah and it makes a ton at one time too which is great um so for dinners th tonight we're gonna do like flatbread pizzas so we'll do oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> clothes or whatever you live <laughs> so we get so sometimes i'll make my own my own like marinara sauce with like carrots and tomatoes and stuff but tonight i don't have enough time tonight but um what you do is you get one of those like flat out wrap things or like you can even use just like a tortilla mm -hmm. um you preheat your oven then you put the tortilla in there let it get a little crispy then you put whatever sauce that you want saute up whatever veggies so we have like mushrooms and green peppers and onions mm -hmm. um and then chickpeas because they're our favorite um and then you put those ingredients on there and then if you want cheese <laughs> Um, you put the cheese on top and then put it back in the oven. Um, so sometimes we'll sometimes we'll use the Daya shreds because those I love the Daya cheese. It's so good. Um, but a lot of times we'll just use like part skin mozzarella. That's like the only cheese that we use mm -hmm. is the part skin mozzarella. <clears throat> what about the chickpeas? Do you cook your own chickpeas or do you get them like you use canned? I use canned. Um, I do too. I just need to some motivation to start <laughs> making my own. I haven't met anybody who does. <laughs> I haven't dabbled in the cooking from scratch when it comes to beans. I have once with black beans, and I made them in the crock pot. Mm -hmm. um, it just takes a lot of time, and I'm just like all about the convenience. So me too. Like I just get the I get the chick the chickpeas in the can or whatever beans it is. I look for no salt added, but I don't. Because I cook at home so much and I don't add salt to anything right. else that sometimes I don't. And then I rinse them. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, most of the beans that I do are, are canned except for the lentils because you could cook those from scratch. Yes, I love yeah. lentils. I just made some soup with lentils yesterday. Yeah. So I'm not, I haven't dabbled in the beans from scratch yet, but I'm sure that I will at some point. The key about that is like you have to let them soak overnight to mm -hmm. make it quicker and then you have to boil them a little bit to get the toxins yeah. out of them. It just requires a little bit of planning, but I get it. I'll, yeah. I'm with you on that one. I'm also looking to, into starting doing <laughs> that a little bit more. Maybe we can do it together. We should do a tutorial we on should. that. That will get us motivated. We should. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Tutorial coming up soon. Hold us accountable. <laughs> so that's that'll be dinner. Um, and then after dinner, we normally make some popcorn because popcorn is also like one of my favorite things. Oh, I love that. World. that is, popcorn is like... I can if I can name one thing that I couldn't stop eating if you put it in front of me is popcorn. Um, but I have a, <laughs> that is so cool. But I have an air popper, so it makes it really low in calorie, which is great. Um, so if popcorn lovers out there get an air popper, it makes your life so much easier. Um, oh my god! And you just put the kernels in there, and it air pops it, and then you don't have to clean anything, which is awesome. Um, but then I put hot sauce on it. So. <laughs> And that is your dessert, ladies and, and gentlemen. But I will have like some dark. We share like a little piece of dark chocolate too um, mm -hmm. for that sweetness. Oh, you guys are the cutest! I really want to meet him now. So that's that's our normal day. It varies a little bit in there. Um, I'll I'll usually pack a snack too, like an apple mm -hmm. or some handful of nuts or something like that throughout the day. Um, if I had time to eat snack in the morning, I probably pack something else. But because clinic just goes and goes and goes like mm -hmm. all the time but yeah that's that's really cool I, I love that show. I love it <laughs> um what if uh give if some listeners are listening to this right now they're like well I I do want to go plum-based but like I I don't really know where where to start and the five steps are very helpful but if, sure. if you could give like just one advice or like a, just a piece of encouragement or something what would you say sure I think what what people struggle with the most is getting into the kitchen with vegetarian food and and I'm always telling this to people is just get in there get in there and try it experiment get a recipe it may take a while but you get better at something the more that you practice it so the only way that I've gotten good at knowing my way around the kitchen is because I spent a lot of time in there so I've gotten really good at not only meal planning like getting my grocery list down but learning how to chop things faster and uh -huh. saute and the best ways to cook things is because I've spent more time in the kitchen. So don't be afraid of the kitchen. And if you generally like food, it's not going to taste bad. And if it does taste bad, then you learn your lesson. And now for the next time, you know that maybe I shouldn't use this type of food with this type of spice, different things like that. Yeah, so right. um, when it comes to more plant-based cooking, just get into the kitchen and try it out and um, and, and maybe you'll find a recipe that you've made all along. You can make that more plant-based by mm -hmm. like replacing the meats, the, the meat with beans or something like that. So just get in there and try it is my number one advice. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Is there anything else you want to share before I ask my last question? I don't think so. So tell me what kindness means to you and how do you get to practice it in your daily life? So kindness to me means putting others before yourself um I feel like my mom did a really good job at and hopefully ingraining that into me um but treating people the way that you would like to be treated is the best way to describe to 
describe kindness because you want people to respect you and at, treat you with kindness as well. So um, whether that's um, helping a friend out if they need to take a day off work or if they um, need a ride to the airport, even little things like that are definition and epitome of kindness. Um, and my day-to-day -day is obviously helping people with their diets. <laughs> yes, and you're being very the sweet ultimate form patient. of kindness. <laughs> but that's my way of being able to put the patient above myself. You know, able I'm able to share my experiences with them to help them reach their goals. And I think mm -hmm. that's that's the ultimate form of kindness is helping somebody reach their happiness or whatever their health goals are. I love that. I love yeah. that so much. And your mom definitely did a great job because you've been nothing but kind to <laughs> I me. I always think about my around. mom. She's like the epitome <laughs> of kindness because she's the one that will like be in the grocery store like striking up a conversation with everybody. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, yeah. I love that. Well, she yeah. definitely passed it on to you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Thanks Jamie. for having me. Yes, yeah. absolutely. For many more to come. Yay. For more information, you can go to followyourkind.com or follow me on Instagram at kindchristina. Please also subscribe to the show and give me a good review. Thanks for stopping by.